Welcome in to the At The Yard podcast. Today's guest is Biola University head coach Jeff Calhoun, who will share with us his thoughts on recruiting to the Division II level, his rise through the coaching ranks, and all things Biola baseball. All that and much more on episode 47 of the At The Yard podcast. Welcome back to the At The Art Podcast. Really excited about today's guest, Jeff Calhoun, head coach at Biola University, joins me. Jeff, man, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Les. Fired up to talk shop for a little bit today. Yeah, man. Uh, so how, how are you holding up? Obviously, pretty crazy time for you know everybody in the, in the country and in the, in the world, for that matter. But how are you holding up personally? Yeah, I mean, I've been good. I mean, for... For us, we're we're luckily our coaching staff is counted as essential workers because we do the field. Uh, if if we're not there watering it, that thing's gonna die. So I get to get out of the house once a day and go water the field, which is a perk of it. And then um, I live with our um, assistant coaches, so we all live in a baseball house. We call it basically. So I mean, we're around each other twenty four seven. So we're just still business as usual on the baseball side of things from recruiting and. We also, you know, find ways to be creative and work out at home and got a little garage set up we're trying to use. So it's uh, it's been a lot of, I mean, honest, for as bad a situation it is and as boring as it could be, um, we've definitely crushed some Netflix shows, but I think we're trying to make the, we're trying to make the best of it, understanding that in our line of work, you don't get this much time off ever. So uh, it reminds me how thankful I am of being able to work <laughs> in those crazy summer months for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I mean, Maybe that's a, a topic for a different podcast, but I mean, that sounds like that could be a little bit of a uh, frat house, animal house type feel to it. It's, uh, I mean, I think the nice thing is we all have our own room. So it's, uh, there's some days where we'll all be sitting in the living room and watching, we'll all watch Netflix or all watch TV or do something together, eat dinner. We do a lot of grilling together. And then, you know, there's some nights, you know, now, even after a win, I want to just go to my room and go to sleep. So it's, <laughs> they, they want to talk shop or they want to talk about something. I'm like, I'm going upstairs and going to bed. I'm out of here. Like I, but it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of people were a little skeptic of it, but I mean, obviously from a financial standpoint, it was a great move for us as a group, just to, we're all under 30 years old and single. So it was, uh, I mean, none of us are married. None of us have kids. So it was a great move to be able to get in here and, you know, save money and we live together. So for us, there really isn't any, you can't really, you do have to separate home and work. I think for sure. That's something we've done a really good job of. And I think all of us were friends before we worked together. So that was something that, um, it's not like we only had a working relationship for us. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's definitely a podcast for another day though. I mean, I think that's, it's it's more of the entertainment one. Yeah, I was going to say, might, that might be an in-person podcast, but uh, I think, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like it's, I mean, what it's got to do for just the camaraderie, right, on the coaching staff and and the relationship that you three guys have, or, you know, that's got to be, I mean, that's got to be pretty neat, right? Yeah, it's definitely unique. I think uh, I've, I've lived with, like, the weight coaches before at UCSD when I was a, my first year there um, at Point Loma, had random roommates, and then at... West Mile, I was living by myself and in Coach Ruiz's garage for a little bit, but um, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I think for us, we none of us are from here. Uh, ben Cordy, our pitching coach, is from Sacramento, and it was at UC Davis the last five years. And then CJ Baker is 
like me, he's also from Washington State. So uh, and it was at Bucknell last three years. So for us, it was a nice, we knew each other. So at least it was a starting point of like, hey, we're not trying to meet someone new and move in with them at the same time. It was us being able to like, hey, we know each other. We know what we like. We know what we don't like. Let's get this thing going. And I think we had a mission and we're all baseball junkies. So for us, it was really just hitting the ground running. And, you know, there were some long days at the office and we'd all carpool in and out and we'd stop and pick up food on the way home some nights and just go from there. So it was a lot of, yeah. it's been a lot of fun. We're really close, which is really great. Yeah, that that's awesome. And that, that certainly reflects on, on the start you guys had this year. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you're from uh, Snohomish, Washington. And did I butcher that? No, you got it spot on. Actually, Dude, that was pretty nice. impressive. Nice, nice stuff. So, so how, how does a guy from Snohomish, Washington, end up at APU, uh, you know, at Azusa Pacific, uh, to start your collegiate career? Yeah, I um, I got the opportunity there. Uh, Coach Ruiz, who I ended up working for at Westmont, he was the recruiting coordinator there and the head assistant for Coach Svagdis at the time. Um, and I was from a smaller school, and had some opportunities that had fallen through, and then ended up going there my first year of college and honestly i can say this with a clear conscience and even though they're our rival i guess over there um that was the best team i ever played on um in 0809 over there and seeing these guys and it was after kirk new and i had been there Stephen vote and all these other big name guys that had already gone through the program and you know seeing guys from around here and seeing guys that had transferred from arizona or transferred from um, wherever division one school and ended up there. And even the local junior colleges, that was my introduction to Southern California baseball. And it was totally different than I had ever seen. And so for me, it was a great experience. I learned a lot from Paul there and I learned a lot from coach Ruiz. And I think for me, I, you know, I don't regret going there one bit. I mean, it was a great opportunity. And then I ended up going back home after my freshman year to Skagit Valley college, uh, junior college back in Washington, uh, my family got hit pretty hard by the recession. Um, so I ended up moving back home to help support my family. And then I uh, did that for two years and then went across the country to Niagara Falls, New York, which I got connected with them through a Summerball teammate uh, who's one of my best friends now, Wynton Bernard, who's a San Diego guy. Uh, we played in the West Coast League together. And he was like, dude, we need a catcher. You should come out here. It's 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 sick he kept telling me it's sick and then i got there and i was like dude you didn't tell me it snowed in october <laughs> and it was uh it was a great opportunity playing for coach mccoy there uh, who's still there i mean we had a lot made a lot of good friends made a lot of great memories and it was an experience for sure and then uh yeah that was tried my tried my stint in indie ball and was not good enough and didn't work out so uh moved on and got into coaching got lucky to land a job so yeah, you know, so you started coaching uh, there with the Seattle Stars. I'm assuming that's some sort of club team up in in that area before you get your break again uh, at you know at NAIA Westmont, right? And I mean mm-hmm. I think that that that's when I think your first year. I think that's when we first met in 2013. And um, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was over at uh, Andy Rojo's camp that he runs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I remember you telling me a story about. You know, you, you know, I, I remember asking you, like, how was it? You know, what's what, what's the experience like? And you, you talked about sleeping in your car for a while. And, and I'll, I'll never forget that because, you know, you, you mentioned that to me. And, and I my first thought was, 
damn, this guy's going to be so wildly successful if he's willing to sleep in his car, you know, while coaching the college level. But you guys had a lot of success there at Westmont. I mean, you know, you, you coached the catchers and the hitters and were involved with the recruiting. So take us through, you know, that kind of indoctrination into coaching, right? I mean, right out the gate, you're, you're working with some, some, some big name players. Uh, you know, one of your catchers drafted by the Angels, uh, Brandon Gildea. Uh, take us through that experience and, and what was it like in it, your, you know, the initial recruiting part of it? Yeah. Um, I think I've, I, I joke with our coaching staff here. I think we, we grew up in the age of, of playing NCAA football. And for me, I loved the recruiting part of it for some reason. That was just something I always enjoyed. And then even when I was in junior college at Skagit, I wanted to, you know, we always tried to get good players to come play with us. We wanted guys that, wanted to win and wanted to be wanted to win wanted to be win wanted to win and wanted to be good and that was something we always really focused on and i think when i mean the sleeping in the car luckily it wasn't super long it was just you know for me moving down there i i remember i drove overnight uh from seattle down there and it was about a 20 like 18 to 20 hour drive and i got there and i was just like okay it was like a friday and i was like all right i'm ready to work like what do you want me to do and they're like um we you should probably go to sleep, man. Like you don't need to start working. It's like middle of, it's like early August or something. And I was like, but I, uh, I, I got really lucky. I got really lucky to work with Robert and Tony Kagul there. Tony's moved on with the, as a minor league pitching guy with the Cubs now. So, I mean, walking in the door with those two, um, they were young, they were really ready to work. And I think they, they got a lot of, we joked the puppy me. I was, bouncing off the wall I was ready to go I wanted to do everything and so from a recruiting standpoint you know I think it, it took some some of the load off of their plate of being able to go to camps that you know they had young families so maybe they had different things they want they were dealing with or they couldn't get a babysitter or something so for me it was like all right I'll go like put me in the car I'll go uh so I just ran with it I thought you know anywhere I could go to see players and get to know people and get to know coaches and build relationships that was what I wanted to do and so for me being the out-of-towner I just had to make sure like okay like do I understand what Westmont was to an extent I did the campus tour and I'm gonna make fun of myself here with Tony and Robert if they ever listen to this they'll know this story is I went on a campus tour and they told me it was a that Santa Barbara was a Mediterranean climate and so I went to like one of my first camps and they're, you know, you're describing Westmont to a group of coaches and players at the camp. I'm like, yeah, we're in a Mediterranean climate in Santa Barbara. And I just get roasted for it all the time because <laughs> I don't know what a Mediterranean climate is. I've never been to the Mediterranean, but that's apparently what Santa Barbara is. So <laughs> they, they still let me have that. They don't let me get away with that one, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a small school. It was, you know, I got to meet a lot of really good people. I uh, worked with the Hall of Fame basketball coach there, John Moore. Um, I got to do grounds with a really great groundskeeper and Phil Baker there who really just let me learn everything and keep getting better at it. And it was allowed for me to be able to take care of our field better. But we, I mean, walking in the door, you have an all-conference catcher in Brandon Gildy. Uh, Brandon was also the high school quarterback at Lincoln in Stockton. His, he was throwing passes to Brandon Cooks, so he was a pretty good athlete himself. But Brandon, I mean, you know, for him, it was just being willing to do the extra work. And for NAI, there obviously was no hour limits. So for us, it was, you know, going and doing early catching work an hour before practice and then staying late and throwing BP and doing lessons and doing that kind of thing. But it was a really great learning experience for me and just 
being able to really, I think they had to slow me down more than they had to try to get me to do more. They're like, Hey man, like you got to go to sleep at some point in time. So that was a, a lot of fun. That was those two years. I mean, being able to see an Andrew Vasquez who ended up pitching the big leagues uh, last year with the twins. I mean, that was a really cool experience to see him coming from UC Santa Barbara. Um, so basically wanted almost quitting baseball and then being a big leaguer was a really cool experience. And just seeing how Robert was running his program with, you know, really caring about kids and really focusing on the relational side of things and really investing in them as people and not just as baseball players, where I think sometimes some schools that is the focus is just what you could do on the field. And, uh, I just learned a lot from those guys. That was, I mean, I really value that experience. I, I think the, the sleeping in the car definitely sets a tone though. That was, uh, I mean, there's a lot of worse places to sleep in the car, though, than Santa Barbara, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. And up on the bluff there, Westmont's pretty nice, too. But so <laughs> yeah. 20, 2015, you you move up uh, to the Division II level uh, over at UCSD with uh, under Coach Newman. And, man, I mean, what a right time to, to make that move, right? You guys go to you guys earned two Division II West region titles. Uh, you guys made a deep run uh, there. Take us through that transition going from NAIA to Division Two. You know, obviously you're, you're, you're probably recruiting a different level of player. Um, but take us through that transition a little bit and, and, and some of the experiences there at UCSD. Yeah, you know, I again, just I got I've been really lucky with the three programs I got to work as an assistant for and then get this opportunity here at Biola. But uh, working for Eric and then. Uh, really spending all three of those years with JT Bloodworth. I mean, JT and I still talk a lot. I mean, just learning recruiting from him. That guy is an absolute tireless recruiter and is in the guy who always, who knows basically everybody I always felt like. And so for me, I felt like I recruited really hard and worked really hard at it. And then I saw JT and just the organizational of it and being able to know who's who and know who to call. And I was still learning some of the, especially the Northern California JC coaches I didn't really know at the time. Uh, and just be like, oh, yeah, I saw this guy was really good at this school. And he's like, oh, yeah, let me call their assistant real quick. And I was like, you know that guy? It's like, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> I know that know guy. absolutely it's, everybody, right? I know. <laughs> he, he's a he's beautiful creature. But I, I love him to death, and so I learned a lot from him. Uh, and then, you know, being able to work for Eric. I mean, Eric had obviously had a lot of success at Dallas Baptist. He's been at the Power 5 level in Nebraska. And then coming here and have they had success – I mean, even in the years leading up to those runs, they had had success before I had been there. And, uh, you know, 16, we were really good and didn't make a regional. And we had to kind of hit the reset button and figure out what our branding was. And just to learn with JT, especially the offensive side of things and being able to work with, you know, Justin James ended up coming with us that in the spring of 17, he came over during the winter break and being able to learn from him and build that relationship. But I mean, for me, it was really kind of the same thing. Like, you know, Coach Newman just let the leash off, especially on the camp side of things and trying to develop a camp system that was productive for us to have people on campus as opposed to just running kids through. It was like, okay, are we actually getting teams at team camps that we can recruit from? Are we getting prospects at prospect camps that we're actually on? And then being able to be, be able to see kids multiple times on our campus and in our facility and being able to really set the tone for that, that was a lot of fun. But, I mean, it was those guys there. I mean, it was that facility is amazing. I mean, I'm really excited. I told Eric, you know, I'm really excited for them to be Division One. Um, 
I'm a big UCSD Division One fan. I wasn't a big UCSD Division Two fan uh, since I had to play them last year, and then was hoping to face off for them at some point this year. But you know, now that they're gone, I'm a huge fan of the Tritons again. Yeah, but yeah, that's was, awesome. The transition was definitely you're trying to get ready for the Big West, and you're trying to recruit kids that understand they have to be in Division Two, and then they're in the pro provisionary period in Division One. I. I mean, you got to find really the right kid for that. And obviously the academics at UC San Diego sold itself and that facility and you're in La Jolla and it was just so many great things and great experiences and the support staff and learning how a bigger school, a bigger operation works because Niagara was a smaller division one. So we didn't have a lot of things that they had at UCSD and then being able to kind of see what that transition looks like and being able to be prepared for it. And uh, I think that really helped me develop more of the administrative side of things of NCAA baseball and being able to work really closely with Eric and spend a lot of time with him. Uh, he really just mentored me and let me learn a lot from him and really didn't, I mean, I could walk in his office and be like, Hey, I got a random off the wall question here. And it would turn into a 20 minute conversation about just a variety of things in life. And, you know, I'm, I was, you know, 25 years old and a volunteer assistant coach and trying to figure out how I'm going to, how I'm going to continue to make it work. And he was always, just always had really good guidance and uh, really value him. I mean, we still talk a lot today. He's still a mentor for me and um, always seems to have really good advice. Even in taking this job, I wasn't sure about it and I was really nervous. And he was like, he was like, dude, what are you waiting for? Like, take the job. Like you're an idiot. And I was like, yep, that sounds about right. Um, you know, I'm every scenario in my head. And he's like, just, he's like, you'll never know getting the head coaching job is really hard. And, you just got an opportunity to do it. And uh, if you if you don't take this opportunity, you don't know when it's going to happen again. So, you know, take this jump and see if even, you know, because I question myself sometimes if I was ready for it. And he's like, you're not going to ever know if you're ready for it till you do it. So it was, uh, you know, Eric's been a really valued mentor and friend for me. And, you know, I got, again, got really lucky working there. Well, was, you know, those, those years were a lot of fun. Um, I just, I think I just retweeted, uh, us winning the conference championship there in 18 got posted and I was like, man, that was, that was a lot of fun. We, we put up a lot of rounds. We had a really good offense. We had a lot of really good players and maybe now that works. So, yeah. So then after that, you spend a year at Point Loma with Justin, correct? And, and then this opportunity for Biola comes up, take us through that process. Because like you said, at the top of the show, I mean, you're under 30, right? And it's not, mm -hmm. you don't see a lot of head coaches, uh, under the age of 30 at, at you know, at, at any level, uh, you know, but much less at a, at a D2 program uh, that is, <clears throat> excuse me, that is a, a quality program, right? I mean, so take us through that process. Like, obviously, you, you heard about the job is open. Uh, you know, you, you go through the application process. But, uh, you know, what, what sort of maybe you said, you know, that you weren't sure what, what were some of your reservations about, you know, taking this job or even going through the process of it. Uh, and ultimately, you know, you obviously got the job, uh, but what was the, the process of going, you know, becoming the head coach, the 11th head coach in school history at Biola? Yeah. Um, I actually applied for the job in the winter uh, when the interim position was open uh, in the winter of 18 lead into the spring of 19 and I didn't hear anything back. And so I was like, I kind of had a grudge a little bit. And as a man of faith, that's not the best thing to have, <laughs> especially for a Christian college. So 
I, uh, you know, we try to let them, I, I tell our guys all the time, you know, I, the story that when we played them in the spring, I just wanted to make sure offensive, we, we put it on them and that we made sure everybody knew like we, you know, they made a mistake, not calling me back. And so I, you know, wasn't really sure about applying for it at the end of the spring. There were some other opportunities that were starting to come up, uh, including some opp- an opportunity in the Northwest to be a head coach. So uh, I was really set on actually a different school and I, thought I had a pretty good shot. I'd done anything on campus, got flown up for an interview and I uh, was really set on that opportunity and then didn't get it. And so for me, I was pretty bummed. That was my first going through as a head coach moment, like trying to apply for a job and go through the on campus and you're meeting everybody and they're showing you where you would live and all these different things. And then you don't get it. That was pretty tough. And so this was going on here at Biola, the interview process at the same time. And uh, it was actually back-to-back days. I flew in from the Northwest. Uh, I got in at like midnight in San Diego and then was here at 7 a.m. for my interview the next day. Um, but it, when I got to campus here, I think what's really unique about Biola is our administration has all been co- has all been the head coach in college sports and has also been the head coach at Biola. So I, for me, you know, it was an opportunity where I think what they were looking for was someone who – excuse me, has had passion, has had success and really wanted to, you know, take something and see what they could do with it. Cause I think for division two baseball, Biola, it really was a blank, a clean slate. There wasn't any, your first year playoff eligibility was this year. So there is no, there hasn't been an expectation quote unquote for division two baseball here at Biola. There's a clean slate. You can start however you want to start it and you can kind of create your own brand. And, uh, that was a lot of, that was something that really excited me. And then I think, uh, in that conversation with Eric, uh, when I got offered the job from Dr. Miller here, who's been a phenomenal athletic director for us and has been really great during this pandemic. Uh, I just, I was just really nervous and I wasn't sure. And I had had some opportunities over the past few years to leave UC San Diego or leave Point Loma for a pro job or for a division one assistant job or something else, but they just never felt right. And so when I was talking to Eric about this, I was like, I just don't, I just don't feel a hundred percent in. I feel close, but I just, there's something off. And, uh, again, as a man of faith, you know, he described it cause he is too, as um, you can't let the fear of the unknown affect the decision you're going to make. And so even though there was a little bit of discomfort, I really said, I had really created a community in San Diego. Uh, had a really close church group. I was a part of for four years, was really involved in the FCA in San Diego. And I was going to uproot myself and move to, all the way to Orange County, but for me, that just felt like a million miles away and ended up, you know, praying about a lot and trusting in the decision-making, and it's been just the the best move I could have imagined. It's been leaps and bounds ahead of what I thought it was going to be. I mean, I think there was a little bit of a wrap for Biola, just there was some, some things that had gone on over the past 18 months. I mean, I was the third head coach in three semesters here for our guys when I got here in the fall, so I think there was a little bit of even in our coaching community, like, man, what's something's going on over there? What's the deal? What's wrong with that place? And, you know, I, I kind of had that coming in trying to figure it out too. What maybe was the issue. And realistically, it's, it's a great place to be. I mean, it's a great location. The fields, I call it the top golf of baseball. There's more nettinger in this place than anywhere in the country. Um, I don't lose balls, which is great, but I think, and then the kids have been just absolutely phenomenal. They just really wanted someone to invest in them and to, treat them like baseball players. And I think that was something that we came in as a staff and 
again, I got three really hardworking assistant coaches. And then our third one was Ryan Crow. Uh, he played for me at Westmont. He was an all American catcher for us there. Um, you know, the three of us just really came or the four of us really came in here and just brought this energy and this care. And I tell our guy, I told our guys when I got this job, the two things I guarantee, I can't guarantee wins. I can't guarantee play time, but I can guarantee that I'm going to love on you guys like crazy. And then that I guarantee I'm going to work my tail off. And if they could give me the same thing back, we're going to have a lot of fun and a lot of success. And they bought in. And so that was, that's been just kind of our mantra here is um, I described it to a lot of people on campus is taking over a Sarah McLaughlin commercial with puppies. Um, it was, they, they were, they were battered and beaten a little bit and they just needed some, they just needed someone to come in here and tell them it's okay and love on them. And um, I joked with them when I came back from the winter break after the convention, we, we started, we got, we got ready for practice and we had our first winter meeting and, I was like, hey, surprise, I'm back. I know it's weird. You have a coach back-to-back <laughs> semesters here. We haven't had that for a little bit. So um, we're not going anywhere. So it's been a real blessing. I mean, I it's it was, yeah, the head coaching process was hard. But, I, I mean, a lot of learning on the fly and a lot of, you know, just really being convicted on who you are and really being convicted on what you're about, I think, in the head coaching interview process was what, made was what i learned through it all especially like just what i really value and what are my core values and what do i really believe in and what have i learned from my mentors and um you know been lucky enough to call a lot of them friends so been able to pick brains on some really successful coaches and try to implement that without completely stealing someone else's identity and trying to make it our own or trying to learn things from different coaches and implement that as a head coach so it's been really good so much of coaching is right. I mean, you take nuggets here, take nuggets there. You take, you know, take information from people that things that work for them and things that have made them successful and their program successful. And you try to mold that into your own, right? I mean, you've been around some really quality coaches and, and some quality mentors. And so all of that obviously goes into your coaching style, your philosophy. So how would you describe that? I mean, you touched a little bit on that, you know, in that you're going to love on those guys and you're going to work your tail off. But I mean, there's got to be more to it than, you know, just loving up on your players and, and working really hard. Right. So how, you know, if somebody were to ask you, and I suppose I am, how, how do you describe, you know, your coaching style and or your, your coaching philosophy? Yeah, that's that's a very deep philosophical question for PBR baseball here. But no, we I think are you, call, are you calling are you calling me undeep, man? Are you calling me shallow? What's going on, bro? Uh, I know no, I've known you. I've known you a it, long time, dude. This, this is a first coming from you. I know I've I've gotten uh, I've started to try to become a sage in my old age here, of almost thirty. But um, no, we we uh, I mean I really think the thing we hammer a lot in our program is. Uh, something I took from coach Newman and learned there was this 1% better mentality. And that's something that's not just baseball oriented. And that was something for us being at a faith-based institution, you know, it's getting 1% better at something every day. And it might not be a baseball fundamental. It might not be, uh, in the weight room. It might be just in the way you treat people. It might be in the relationships you have. It might be getting 1% better in your, in your discipline and devotion. And that's something that, we just really hammered that if we consistently every day get 1% better at something by the end of the year or by the end of the month or the end of the week, you're going to be a better person than you showed up as. Because at the end of the day, the three things that we always hammer on is, you know, you're the type of man you are when you leave here 
is more reflective of us as a program than it is of you as a player. I mean, they no one's ever going to ask for a kid who goes into the workforce like when they're doing something wrong. It's like, well, did you still hit three twenty? Like, were you still a good player? Like, I mean, it's like, no. Like, who ta- who told you this was okay? And I think that's something for us that the guys that leave our program, our goal is to make sure that they reflect what we view as coaches as important, and they're able to formulate a moral value and formulate what's important to them. And that way, when they walk out of here, they are able to put a sentence together that says, "Hey." I think this is important. I think this is important. This to me is, you know, I'm neutral on this, whatever. And that can be a variety of things. That could be from politics to uh, theological values and just different things that we have an open door policy to talk about life. And I think that's where some of our conversations, I mean, we had a six hour flight to Hawaii this year. So we had plenty of time for me to sit next to a senior and I'm trying to watch a movie and he's got, we're playing a hundred questions or whatever. And it's, it was just, you know, what do you think of this? And I'm like, why? Well, this is, you know, what I view it as. Like, what do you think? And just being able to have a conversation to them and treat them like adults was something we really valued. And then obviously the degree factor of it is huge. That's something that uh, for me was life changing. You know, I'm the only kid in my family with a degree. So, I mean, I got a master's degree, which is crazy. And I think for me, it was something that, you know, I look back on it, It's like, that's a huge deal for my family. And it makes them really proud. And that's something that, you know, we want our guys, you're in college for a reason. And yeah, it is baseball. That's part of it. But you got to get the degree. And that's something we're having conversations with guys constantly right now is like, hey, you know, even though there's no baseball, this spurring, like if you're a senior, even if you're coming back, let's make sure the degree's done. Let's make sure we're on top of it. Let's make sure we get ready for grad school. If we're going to do that or if we're going to move on, we want to make sure that's done and getting it done efficiently, not just dragging it out for seven years the van wilder plan is a lot of fun at some places but i don't need you here for seven years that's not the goal um your parents are going to punch me if they do um and then the third part is the baseball i mean we we have a really unique program and a great school where i think for us the conversation and recruiting i think in the last six months has really changed from what other people could view it as I think for us, we're really development oriented. We're really focused on the best, the best player we can create is going to help our team win. So there is that little bit of individuality to it of like, Hey, we want you to be the best player you can be because the best version of you is going to help our team. And so when we talk about it with recruiting, it's like, Hey, you're going to get developed here and you're going to get an opportunity to compete at a high level. But if you, are more focused on the extracurriculars and going out and partying on the weekends, every weekend, like this might not be the place for you and that's okay. And if there's anything I learned working with JT is we got told no a lot because we went after big fish and that was okay. And so for me, the skin has gotten very thick with recruiting. Like, ah, you know, it's not for me and that's okay. Not, this isn't for everybody, but for us, we know what our niche is. We know who we are. I know what kind of kids I like. And CJ, our recruiting coordinator, uh, Baker, has done a great job in realizing, you know, who fits with me personality-wise. And he and I are a little bit different. I am flying off the wall, flying around campus, high-energy guy. And he is very stoic and very smart and very structured. And so for him, it's like, okay, like, I know this guy's going to fit in offensively and in our team focus with myself as the hitting coach and uh, speaking on his behalf cj baker and then for me as the guy running the offense we're able to work together with this kid this kid fits both of us so that's going to work out but that's been you know 
if they want to compete at a high level and, you know, our goal is to win a national championship, that's what we came in day one talking about. And if they want to try to achieve that goal and get developed as a player, then this is for them. Like it's a baseball training zone as opposed to quote unquote, the, you know, old school college experience of like, Hey, I'm going to go play on the weekend, but then I'm going to go party after like, that's just not who we are. And there are schools that can do it and that's okay. And we're just not one of them. So if that's the case, as long as they know coming in that this is what they're getting into, then they, then they aren't getting lied to. And I think that's where our guys in this class that we've put together so far in this 20 class, and even the guys we brought in at the break uh, this spring, they really understood that. And they, you know, were tired of some of the schools they had come from of like, you know what, like there's just a lot of BS going on that I didn't want to deal with. And this place is way less drama. And, you know, we keep, we are a family. It's a close knit community in our program. So, if there, there are going to be arguments in a family, that's normal. I mean, I think, I think every family goes through it, but the difference is when we have issues in our program, we have conversations as a team about it. It's like, Hey, there's, you know, there's no hiding what's going on here. We need to do what's best for our house and our program. And, you know, sometimes that's hard decisions and sometimes that's some disciplinary stuff. And sometimes they've ran, they've ran a little bit to figure out what they're going to do with themselves, but it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it's very blue collar. It's very, that's where I come from. It's very tough. I think we have a little bit of grit in there. Um, but it's, you know, that's just created through us pushing our guys really hard and then they earn the opportunity to go play. So that's a long winded answer to the philosophy there, but yeah, no, that, that's fantastic. I think one of the questions that, that usually comes to mind when you think about like a faith based school like yours is, you know, how does that impact your recruiting? I mean, are you looking specifically for players who, you know, are part of that faith faith, uh, faith group? Uh, or, you know, does that impact your your ability to recruit them? Uh, I mean, talk a little bit about that, right? Because say, for example, you know, you, you're, you're out recruiting a player who, you know, isn't a member of that group. Uh, you really like him. Does Is that is that still doable? Like, is that player... I mean, what sort of things does that player need to be aware of going into Biola if he so uh, were to choose Biola? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the the thing that I've gotten the ability to do is I've gotten to work at three different Christian institutions. And so Westmont, Point Loma, Nazarene, and Biola are all different different denominations, different viewpoints. Um, But I think each school and each faith-based institution is different on that. some do require you to be Christian, some don't. Uh, you know, for me, when you walk into our campus, what our guys need to understand is you're going to get a Bible minor here. I mean, it is, Biola does stand for the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. So uh, you'll never see it on a t shirt or hoodie at all, the acronym, but it is what the Biola stands for. And never I think for us, yeah, that's no. mind blowing information I'm bringing today. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> I did the campus tour. Um, but we, uh, <laughs> was it Mediterranean climate <laughs> <laughs> not here? It's a little, there's a little more, it's a, it's a little variety pack here, a little further <laughs> away from the beach than I've ever been all 30 minutes of it. But we, yeah. um, I think for us, it's the big thing is the Bible minor is really important. That's something that, um, is hard. I mean, you got to take 30 units of Bible and that's something that is doable. It's something that a lot of people get really nervous when they see it. And then, when we explain how the map of your graduation plan in four years works, they're like, Oh, okay. That's really doable actually. And then the other thing is our, which is actually on the low end here is our guys have to attend 20 chapels a semester. 
Um, you know, when I was at Westmont, it was 30, and Point Loma was 30 and 24, depending on what what uh, year you were in school between those two. And then, but for us, it's offered eight times a week, and campus doesn't shut down for it. So if, you know, if you still need to take a class during a chapel, you can still take a class during the chapel. I mean, I think a lot of people also think that every Christian college or faith-based college is really small. Um, I mean, we're 40. 4,200 students, 4,500 students. So it's it's definitely a bigger campus than I think people think. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to put words, I mean, into Andrew Bavay's mouth, one of our pitchers that transferred in from Pitt uh, this last summer, you know, bringing him on campus with his mom. It, it was, they were just like, we didn't even know this place existed. We just knew of the school, but we didn't know where it was or what it is. And it's a really beautiful campus and there's a lot of really great architecture on it. And I think when people come here, they're like, oh, wow, like, this is actually a college campus. It's like, yeah, this isn't just a Bible school and a portable system. Like this is, you know, there's actually, we have a library, we have a business hall, we have a science building. That's a $65 million facility. Like, I mean, this is a real college. So I think that's where it's been a little bit of a newsflash for some of the people that we recruit around. And even guys that I've created relationships with as coaches is getting them on campus and, you know, club coaches that have never been here. And they're like, Oh, like, Again, we didn't know your facility looked like this. Like your facility's actually got four batting cages and you got bullpens and you got a little like mini clubhouse behind the inside the dugout. I was like, Yeah, like it's a actually really nice facility. I mean, I think we're the only facility I've ever been in with a TV in the dugout. That was a new um, experience and we were able to utilize that with putting scouting reports on there and putting uh, spray charts on there and just doing different things to help our team be technology savvy and then even during scrimmages and um, practices in the fall having Rapsodo on there uh, when we're scrimmaging so you know all of our pitchers know that it usually turns into an argument on balls and strikes because whoever's doing umpiring behind the plate or behind the mound is sometimes guessing and then all of a sudden it pops up on the screen that it was a ball and it was five balls off the plate and I'm like alright I'm going to have to overrule this so it's um, but it's a, it's a really great facility it's a great school and I think that's yeah from a faith standpoint I mean we we're recruiting the best kids we possibly can that fit the model of the university. So it's, uh, it's definitely got challenges, but I think every place, no matter where you are as a little, as a challenge, uh, at UC San Diego is the academic side of things. I mean, you're a top 10 public university in the country, uh, and you might really want this kid, but if he doesn't meet the sliding scale of what the school was, they were not going to bat an eye on that one. It's like, yeah, we have 110,000 applicants this year for a class of 8,000 kids. Like we're not worried about, Johnny Johnny Tsunami over here throw, that throws 88 and has a good slider and can't get his SAT score up. So yeah, it's uh, and, and you're right. I'm glad you brought that up about the campus. I mean, it really is a, a beautiful campus. It's a, somewhat of a hidden gem, right? I mean, it's kind of you know tucked away there in La Mirada, but it's just it's a. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it truly is a, a a beautiful campus, and you get that feel right it's like okay you're you're driving down the road there you're like all right well where is this thing then you walk on campus you're like you're like almost you know transported into a different area of the city and you're just kind of like wow like, yeah. this is this is outstanding but you, know, you you've talked a lot about you know some of the leaders in your life and uh some of the mentors and coaches that you've looked at as you know the leaders that you've been around and you know whether it's the coaches or some of the players you've talked about now as a head coach, you know, how do you how do you define leadership in your program and and what do you what's your process for cultivating leaders within your program? Yeah, uh, again, this system 
when I got here, we, we took over, I kind of did a hybrid of, um, what coach Newman was doing when I was working for him, of having, uh, we had a Triton baseball council. So we had a group of, I think it was about six or six to eight, uh, up people that have been in the program for at least a year that were able to meet with coach Newman and have conversations with what was going on. Um, and then from that, what we, what I took from Eric Peterson, who was the coach who recruited me to Niagara, who's now the head coach at Benedictine in Kansas. Uh, Eric's done. Oh, Pito's the man. So Pito, so Pito, you know, I think, I don't know. I think we've joked about this before. I don't know if it's an NCAA violation or not, but we, (laughs) my junior year, we, I didn't have a place to go for Thanksgiving and, you know, I was from the West Coast. I, I didn't have a lot of money, so I wasn't going to fly home for three days and fly back. And so I ended up having Thanksgiving with him and his family. Um, I mean, and it, we always joke like it probably it might have been a violation. It might not have been, but you know, at the end of the day, it was taking care of kids, and that's what Pedro did. Pedro always took care of me, and um, you know, he's a big time friend of me and a guy that every time every year at the convention, I know I'm going to see him, and I know I'm going to spend thirty minutes at some outside of some exhibition hall or exhibit booth talking to him and just catching up and. Um, we probably talk every couple months on the phone and just really break down, break down me being a head coach and me learning from him and just things that he learned his first couple of years and just mistakes he made that, you know, I can learn from or think mistakes I've made that I can learn from that maybe he hasn't made, but his battalion leader idea is something that we did. So what we did was we, you know, had the players vote on, uh, give me three names of, of guys they viewed as leaders on our team or who they would like to have be like a captain type of player. And so we took, excuse me, the top six of the list, which actually turned out great. It was three seniors, three juniors. Uh, it was three position players, three, three pitchers. So then we did a draft. So they had to draft their fall team. Um, and it turned into their year team. Uh, and so for any competitions we did, so if that was a conditioning test, if that was a, academic like grade check update and who was doing what if that was a weight room thing the competitions always were by teams and so they they were in charge of their group so if there was an issue what that really created was i think this this um chain reaction of if a if a younger guy had an issue what was going on or had a problem in a class he would have to have a conversation with his we call it as um you know we called it like the Eagle leadership group. So like the Eagle guys. So for us, he would have to go to one of our captains and talk to him about what was going on. If it was a dorm issue, if it's, you know, he's not doing well in class, if he's having academic issues, if he got personal issues. So he has to have a conversation with his leader. And so all of a sudden that leader has to have a conversation with a player that he might not be comfortable having. And he has to learn how to do that. And so then he would be able to come talk to me. And then that guy and I would have one-on-one conversations of, you know, how do we, handle this like what do you think and then they're obviously trying to think like okay from a culture standpoint what we're trying to promote with our team is this detrimental is this something that i can handle is this something that coach can has to handle like what is this and so for them it really turned into them taking ownership of the team and for me it was like hey the especially the three juniors on that team that are going to be back and have the opportunity to they have to get revoted in they can't you know they don't get to it's not a re-elect automatically because you're back but for us, it's, you know, if they get an opportunity to be on this leadership team again, now they have experience with this and they know what they want this to look like and they know what the culture is and they know what they want Viola Baseball to look like. And so that really allowed for them to develop. And then I would meet with them weekly 
to bi-weekly depending on what the time of year was and we had a book we were going through um which is uh the title is make your bed for god's sake and so it's the book from the admiral that gave the graduation speech on at the university of texas which is an infamous one so that's his book which he expands on you know the 10 ways you could change the world by making your bed and it was just awesome so for us you know they would read it. It's like a five page per chapter book. So it's not like I'm asking them to read a 300 page book during the school year. So it wasn't a highly challenging read. And it also was great for me because if I was super busy, I could crush it real quick. And I've already read it before. So I, I kind of had things underlined and highlighted that I liked. And I would just open up to them be like, all right, what did you take away from this chapter? What did you like? And they would have to actually have a conversation with our group as a leadership team about what they learned. It's like, you know, I really like this idea and, I, and how does it apply to our team or how does it apply to what you want to do with your life or how you want to handle a relationship or your family or your girlfriend or whatever it is. And that really, I think, allowed for them to see inside of some of the leadership things that we want. We do a lot of stuff as a team too. And, um, you know, our captains are held to a really high standard. And I mean, there's points on the line for everything. And everything's a competition. So it's, I think for us, it just really, we're, we're really competitive. I'm extremely competitive. It's almost to a fault. Um, my girlfriend, Amanda would definitely agree with that because she's just as competitive. So it's a really like, if we're playing, I'm terrible at connect four, I found out, which is really disappointing, but you know, <laughs> I get really pissed off when I lose. So she, you know, pushes me on that, but our guys also were, like trying to figure out, okay, if we're super competitive in everything we do and, you know, from from the game we played at UCSD Tank Wars to um, when we were in Hawaii, we did a scavenger hunt um, to just basically anything we could do on our campus to keep things competitive. That created this culture and allowed them to be leaders and have to lead a group of five to six guys, get them in the car and go on a scavenger hunt. Like, that's hard. Like, that's, you know, there's going to be guys that are too cool to do it and they're like, yeah, no, we want to win, so jump on the wagon or get out of my car and it's you know it just built that form so it was it's been a lot of fun i mean i'm again i can relate to them a lot just because i'm not too far removed from it um so i know you know the, the, some guys are conflicted because they want to be friends with everybody and they don't want to be the bad guy and some guys are like no i want to be the bad guy it's like no well you also got to show that you could be the good guy too <laughs> like you can't just always be the yeller um and i think right. that was something even as a young coach you go from being the like, oh, if I want to coach him, I have to yell as opposed to like, hey, like, let's have a conversation about this. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what what was the thought process when you got picked off by 35 feet on a terrible left-handed pick move? Like, what was our thought process? <laughs> it's Then they were able to have a conversation. So, yeah, crazy. Yeah, no doubt. That, that, that's, a great, that's a great answer. I love all those strategies. Um, you know, you talk about getting picked off there. It doesn't sound like that happened too often. You guys, I mean, dude, you guys were off for, to an awesome start, right, this spring. I mean... First national D2 ranking, the final ranking, you guys end up number eight. Um, you guys, you know, you start the year with a sweep of Cal State Monterey Bay. Uh, I mean, things couldn't have gone any better out the gate, right? What What do you think you was the reason for that? I mean, you talked a little bit earlier about buy-in, you know, your guys bought in, and then obviously you joked about what you told them when you got back from the ABCA conference, but... Uh, you know, what, what is it, I mean, for a group of guys, do you think maybe the fact that, you know, hey, we know who our head coach is, we know who our coaching staff is, 
you know, for a lot, some particularly some of the older guys that have gone through all the, the change there, do you think it was just kind of like a, a big weight off their shoulders and then finally they can just kind of go out and play ball or, or was it something else? Yeah, I think that would that was definitely a part of it. I think this group has been through a lot, like you said. So I think the term we use a lot of is like, hey, you've, you as a group, because we had a lot of returners, Less. I mean, it wasn't like we had to go replace a bunch of players. We lost two really good arms. Um, we lost two offensive bats that were pretty big time in our lineup from the year before. Um, but really, we had a lot of guys, and we had one big-time role guy that was a huge leader in our program. So we lost five guys that were really impactful in some sort of way. But for us, I mean, a lot of these guys, were we were a really junior-heavy team this year, and so those guys were sophomores that had played. And so there's a lot of experience, and I think for us, the seniors, we had a lot of fifth years, uh, a lot of guys that you know had been to a JC and have been here for three years and redshirted here, stuff like that. And I think for them, they've just been through a lot. There was a lot of adversity over the years. There's been a lot of just nightmare type of issues that are just program frustrators and things that are just going to piss off players and things that are going to really make them not be happy. And I think for us, like we just all, one of the things we talk about a lot in our program is we're only as good as our worst guy. And so that I think keeps seniors and guys that are, you know, the, the better players on our team, like they're trying to bring guys along with them because they know if our 10th bull, or if our 10th arm out of our 10 man rotation in the weekend of guys that are going to throw at some point is better than the other team's 10th guy, then we have a really good shot of winning this game. And so that's where, like, for us, it's just bringing people along. And so I think for – and I'll admit to this, um, the first game I was a train wreck. I was nervous. I just wanted I, – I didn't think I could win any games. Um, I just wanted I, – I felt like if I didn't win one of those games that weekend that I'd never win one. Um, so getting the first one was huge. I think our, even our team felt that. Um, and we jumped out early and had a lead and then gave up a couple late. And you're just like, okay, like – what what is every scenario that can go wrong here in the ninth inning when you're up by five? Like, what's the worst case scenario we could have here, <laughs> and it's going to happen? Uh, we're going to blow it. And I think our team felt that too. And so once they, you know, I think they also felt, you know, that it was an opportunity for them to start set the tone for what Division Two baseball, like we said, is going to be at Biola and what they want to be a part of. And um, there was a <laughs> there's a phrase that i had a, a great conversation with a player at ucsd um adrian orozco who's who was an assistant this year at point loma and the worker for us at ucsd after his year at 17 um and i was at his graduation dinner with his family and all his friends and i was like hey man what's the what's the coolest thing that you had you lost one game in your your year this year in 2017 you lost the national championship game it's the only game you lost like what what's the coolest part about it and he's like that my number, my year is going to be on the wall. And I was like, well, okay, expand on it. He goes, I'm going to be able to come back here anytime I ever want. And I'm always going to see my years on the World Series wall. Like, my class did it. Like, my class is a is a part of a group of basically, at that time, it was like six other teams in the time of Division three, Division two baseball, UCSD, to have gone to a college World Series. And he's like, I'm in a really special group, and all of my friends and all of my teammates on this team are a part of it too. And I was That's like, awesome. man, like, what a big, I know, right? What a big picture mindset. And so totally. I was like, that's what we're talking about with our guys. Like, hey, you want to, like, let's get a number on the wall. Let's have you guys be able to come back here 30 years from now with your kids and whoever and your friends and family. Like, 
yeah, like that was us. Like, and you can remember that year, that year you're going to remember differently than any other year. And I think that's where, you know, that this group really wanted that. And, you know, we lost, you know, a handful of guys are going to move on and um, graduate. Some are getting, one got into law school, uh, one got into the fire academy, one got into the police academy. Uh, another one's getting into uh, athletic training at the professional sports level. Uh, we had great seniors. And so for me, it's a bummer to lose them. Um, and I'd love to bring them all back. But at the same time, there was that conversation like, hey, like, you can come back, but you might not have your job or you might not like there's that me being a responsible adult like, hey, I got to be the adult in the situation. Like you might get hurt and then you lose your spot in the fire academy. Well, then you got to wait another year to get into the fire academy and rehab and like just get you're in the fire academy. That's like, a, like one of the toughest things to do in California at the right now is to be in the fire academy. So take that opportunity. And it was uh, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was a great group of seniors, great team. I mean, we're really excited about again, like what we do have coming back. We're excited about. And there really was this mindset of our team of you either in the boat or, you know, take get in the life life preserve jacket and go somewhere else. And that was <laughs> um I mean, and we, we had some guys leave at the break this year in the winter break. We've had some guys, you know, move on from the summer. But, you know, I think the guys that we've replaced them with are guys that are really team-oriented and really, you know, want to win, want to have success, want to be developed. And that's what we're recruiting and, and trying to find. So, you know, Coach Baker and Coach Corey have done a great job with that, especially on this recruiting end, to just finding the right guys. And, I mean – those guys are coming in and they're fired up and they're working their tails off right now and they want to be a part of everything we're doing. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to be around right now. That's for sure. Yeah. That, so. That's awesome. You know, we've talked a lot about your mentors and, and coaches that have been a big influence in your life. And, you know, you're really, you're really involved with the ABCA and, and, you know, the American baseball coaches association. Uh, I remember in 2016, I want to say it was somewhere thereabouts, uh, you did part. You were part of the barnstorm barnstorming clinics that they do around mm-hmm. the country. But uh, you know, last year you were invited to speak on catching at the national convention. What 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 has the ABCA done for you uh, personally as a coach? And and you know what you know what's it what what was that like? Right. I mean, you're talking about you're in a convention hall with you know thousands of. I've been to it a couple of times. Thousands upon thousands mm-hmm. of coaches and. You know, you're presenting, you're talking about nervous about your first game uh, this year. I mean, I got to imagine the butterflies were running there, but just share a little bit about, you know, the ABCA and and what it's meant for you and your development as a, as a head coach. Yeah, that was, uh, that day I was also a nervous wreck. Uh, (laughs) I, I tried to imagine everything that could go wrong. Um, I made sure not to wear our Point Loma darker green shirt because I knew I'd sweat through it. Um, so I made sure I was wearing a black BP top that way no one could tell. Um, the best part about that convention was, uh, again, Adrian Roscoe and I roomed together on that trip and Adrian, the night before we, we got into Dallas, we got lunch. Um, he and I actually got the exact same meal and, you know, we go to the socials, we go meet a lot of people and he's like, dude, I'm not feeling great. And so I'm like, Oh, well let's go back to the room. And he ends up getting food poisoning. Uh, and so he's throwing up all night. So I'm like, Oh man, this is the worst. And so he's all day in the room, just throwing up and just not doing great day one. And I'm getting ready to speak in two hours. And I'm like, Oh man, like dude. I'm just glad I didn't get food poisoning. Like I feel bad for this guy. And he's like, oh, I'll be at yours. You're good. I got you. Like you're my boy. I'm like, all right, cool, man. But like, 
you're literally puking everywhere. Like this is <laughs> like, I'm trying to like practice my speech. I, and then I was like, Oh man, I forgot to print out my notes. So then I'm, it was just a panic mode, but it was, um, yeah, I, I mean, I was on the youth stage, so I only had, I think it was like 1500 people. I was speaking at the same time as coach Corbin. So I, I apologize to everybody. I was like, Hey, I'm going to try to go fast. Cause I want to go listen to coach Corbin talk, um, <laughs> on the other stage, but that the ABCA, you know, I got to be a part of two barnstormers in uh, 2016 and 2018, and then speak at the convention in 18, um, or actually, I guess technically 19 this last year or two years ago. But what they've done for me is I think, you know, I just learned a lot when I got to go to those conventions and I had, a, you know, you know, you're not supposed to tell people this, but we had, we had friends that would go and then they'd give us their login. And my first two years, I didn't get to go, um, at Westmont cause we would be practicing during that time because we opened January 15th. So it's like, we're not, we're not going to go 10 days of practice and then roll in. We're going to take our extra four. And so we, you know, I never got to go those first two years. So when I finally got to go, it was just, you know, I was, I, you know, I'm sitting at a table and coach Newman is another guy who's really well connected. And there was the convention in Anaheim and we're sitting in an Adidas event and, you know, he's talking to Darren Erstead, who to me is like, Oh man, that's the world series player, Darren Erstead. Oh my gosh. Like that guy was really good. And it's, you know, to him, it's, you know, a guy he got to work with in Nebraska and it's his friend. And I'm like, Oh man, like I'm not at the right table. Like I don't belong here. <laughs> like, and just some of the people I got to meet through it. I think the ABCA, what's so unique is the network of people you can get to know through it uh, is really endless. And, you know, now I think, uh, you know, I got lucky to really get connected with Bart, with Andrew Bartman and Jeremy Sheetinger at the time. Um, and they really invested in me a lot, just poured into me as a young coach at Westmont when they were college coaches. And then when they got those opportunities at ABCA, I mean, still really invested in me and let me just pick their brain on how to be a better coach and better, better man. And then since they both moved on, um, you know, I still get to, I still was at the convention this year. I got to spend some time with the, um, just working with different committees and working on different side sessions of different things of just how to better our game and how to grow our game and communities and how to make baseball, more inclusive and more, you know, just taking care of the people that it should be taken care of from a, how do we focus on player first, as opposed to, you know, money driven first. Cause for me, the mindset is if I don't have any players, I can't coach anybody. So I don't have a job. And again, I I've done some hustle. I've done some side hustles and jobs of, I was a janitor. I worked at Starbucks. I've done construction. Um, I've done a lot of different things and, the one thing I know I'm, I've really enjoyed and like to do is is coach baseball. I mean, so if, if I don't have any players, I'm kind of screwed on what's next for Coach Calhoun, that's for sure. Um, but we, it's been a lot of fun. And since, like I said, since they've been moved on, um, you know, getting to become more a part of USA baseball has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, speaking on the virtual clinic last month uh, with guys that I look up to with Butch Chafin and getting being able to speak with Billy Boyer, who – He's also a Northwest guy who growing up was a name of everybody knew who Billy was. And now you're on a podcast with them and, you know, Tyler Gillum, the legend of the kilted coach in Savannah, Georgia and whatever. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of, you're getting to be around a lot of really great people and learn from them. And I think the biggest thing I took away from ABCA as a coach, when you go to the convention is there's just so much to learn and no one is too, good to learn there and that's something that you know you see coach corbin taking his notes you see 
just all these different people. You might be in a middle section in the back of the auditorium because you're, you know, five minutes early instead of 40 and the front five sections are full or you're trying to go to a thing after. So you're trying to be able to sneak out, but you're sitting there and all of a sudden there's another division one head coach next to you. Who's a power five guy and he's taking his notes or he's writing stuff down or you don't, you just never know who you're going to sit next to at those. And, um, yeah, ABCA has done a great job. That's for sure. I mean, they've, I think they've really grown since at least since I've started coaching. I mean, it's just continuing to get it better and better with the podcast and, uh, now the the video thing they're doing with the six coaches every week on different topics. I mean, it's uh, even during this pandemic, there's just a lot of really great knowledge that's being spread and a lot of real openness to share and to learn and to grow our game, which is great. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome organization. Um, but yeah, all right, Jeff, that that was that was outstanding. But before I let you go. Uh, we do a little coaches rapid fire here. I'm going to ask you about 10 questions. Don't dwell on them. Just fire off the first answer that comes to your to your head. And uh, let's roll with this. You ready? Yeah, there might be some real off-the-wall answers here. I hope you're ready. So. Oh, dude. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> let's see what we got. Yeah, so let, let's roll with it. I love it. All right, here we go. Small ball or gorilla ball? Gorilla ball. Uh, Costco or Sam's Club? Costco. Country or hip-hop? Oh, country for sure. College football or the NFL? College football. Track man or rap soda? Ooh. My budget can afford rap soda, so that. <laughs> uh, favorite vacation spot? Ooh. Um, Bend, Oregon. Oh, don't tell me you're playing Band and Dunes. <laughs> oh. no. Hey, I, I, I'm going up soon, so I, I won't, I will, I'll send you a pick. Dude, you're killing me. Uh, Mac or PC? <laughs> Mac. Best singer on the team? Ooh. Um, 2C Shelp. He's got a Spotify channel, so check him out. Nice. Best dancer on the team? Uh, Braden Angler, he danced in the Nutcracker at the Long Beach play this year. So, no way. Favorite yeah. stadium you've ever been in? Oh, um, favorite stadium? Probably um, that I played in, or that I or just been that in in general. In, that you've been in? Oh, uh, probably Peco Park. Peco Park is pretty sweet. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, go-to song to sing in the shower. <laughs> I got to think of what's what I can and can't say on this one. Um, I say whatever love, comes to mind. <laughs> well, I got I work at Biola, so... Um, That's true. <laughs> I, I can't roll out Gangster's Paradise. I got banged from our playlist. Um, <laughs> it would be uh, in honor of Eric Newman to get a good laugh out of him. It would be Love on Top by Beyonce. <laughs> Favorite sports team? Ooh, diehard Seahawks fan. And the all-important Del Taco or Taco Bell? Oh, Del Taco. No question. Out of boy. Out of boy. Well, Jeff, man, I can't, th- I can't thank you enough for doing this and spending some time with, with me and, you know, sharing some info on all things Biola, man. I wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. And, uh, again, really, really appreciative of you coming on. Yeah, absolutely, Wes. Thanks for all you're doing, man. I'm, I mean, we're, you know, I know on behalf of coaches everywhere, we're, we're excited for you and, you know, what you're doing with PBR. I mean, 
you and I have both come a long way since we've met each other seven years ago. So, um, I mean, I, I think I still have the blog as a favorited site on my old computer from Westmont that I brought with me from college. So, um, I think I still have that. If I ever need a refresher on good players from 2014, I'll look through that, (laughs) get a reminder. So you're the man, dude. I, I appreciate it. dude. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Les. Appreciate it. I want to thank Biola University head coach Jeff Calhoun for joining me on the podcast today. Be sure to check out prepbaseballreport.com for all your news and information. And until next time, we'll see you at the yard.